Welcome to the Healthy Family Project by Produce for Kids, covering the hot topics in the world of health, food, and family with a dose of fun. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Amanda, and glad to be back with you all today. Hopefully, if you've, you've joined me over in the Healthy Family Project Facebook group. If not, please join us. We're talking everything healthy family, food, current events, you name it. I remind everyone it's a safe space for voices to be heard, and I hope allows all of us to help each other. That's the point. We're in there talking back and forth and and helping each other down this path of of parenting and family um, helps us to be better and more thoughtful people. Um, we also have new summer recipes over on produceforkids.com. And speaking of produceforkids.com, our website had a makeover. We are excited to hear what you think. I am loving the new design and setup. So get over there and let us know what you think about the new site. And then big news. Um, I talked about a little bit about this last week. Um, in an effort to support Feeding America's efforts to those in need during the coronavirus time, uh, we are selling our fruits and veggies and giving back t-shirts with 100% of the proceeds going to the Feeding America COVID-19 response fund. You have to see these shirts. I, I can say fruits and veggies and giving back all day long, but you have to take a look at those. So we will link up in our show notes. You can also see the shirts on our Instagram and Facebook pages, and there's direct links is there, um, direct links there as well. I am truly, I'm always stopped and asked about my shirt, and I'm so glad we can sell them to make a difference. Today, we are talking to Richard McCarthy, uh, Meatless Monday ambassador to Slow Food International, all about dinner time, meal time conversation starters, um, and how to see food and eating as an adventure. So, I think at this moment in our world where we're kind of all been forced to slow down just a just a bit and um, have more family meals together, it's a great time to talk about this. Also, with so much going on in the world, uh, you know, it's a good time to have conversations at the dinner table around current events and helping our kids to understand um, what's going on in the world and how they can help and make a difference. You know, at Produce for Kids, we're all about bettering our communities. And we were happy to learn uh, something that that Richard developed, um, one of the nation's first farmer's market incentive programs to promote local vegetable consumption among SNAP consumers in New Orleans. So yay, we love that. Um, now Richard is based in Brooklyn, New York, and he spends hours in the kitchen with his wife and daughter exploring the traditional knowledge of global cuisines that take ordinary and affordable ingredients to prepare culinary surprises that put, you guessed it, vegetables first. Um, so he's an author, broadcaster, and an organizer. Richard truly values food as the bridge between people, which we'll, we'll learn more about that here in a few minutes. And that is why he is here today, you know, to talk to us all about these dinner conversation starters and beyond. And of course, we have a few laughs, um, but I guess I, I don't need to tell you guys that by now. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Richard. Before we start our chat today, can you tell our listeners a little about you and the amazing work you do for the Meatless Monday efforts and Slow Food USA? Sure. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I am a 
uh, lifelong community development activist through food. So from farmer's markets to the dinner table, um, I'm always looking for ways to build community through food. And we do that through uh, utilizing Mondays as a day to think about what we eat together and um, slow food to embrace the pleasure and responsibilities of the table. Wonderful. Well, I had a little bit of time yesterday. I actually, you know, at Produce for Kids, we work closely with Meatless Monday and support all of their efforts. And I took some time. I hadn't been on their website in a while, um, but I took some time yesterday. They have some great videos um, available and different blog posts. So we'll link up to everything in the show notes so that listeners can head over there and, and grab all of that good information. So, okay, so today we're talking about a few different things. Um, dinner conversation starters being one of those. Um, so I know we're living in kind of a day-to-day, I guess, mode this year. Um, but one positive, um, I'm, not, I'm no longer allowed to say silver lining. My daughter, Charlie, said I was overusing that word. So it's now called the sunny side. So I guess one of the sunny sides of our day-to-day living that we're in right now is that we are spending more time together as a family. We're having more family meals, um, kind of by force, but hey, it's okay. Um, And I know, so I know you are passionate about the value of eating meals together and that dinner conversation. Um, I think most of us get that, you know, we know, yeah, yeah, family meals are important, but can you tell us why? Sure. Um, and, and I think the why also, especially now, because the uh, the boundaries in our lives have become so blurred because we're home, we're here together all the time. And as a result, we're really struggling to figure out structure. And there is real value in having the structure of meals together. It marks the time of the day. It marks the, the strange and rare social space where we put our phones away, we sit together, and we enjoy a meal together. And while at Slow Food and Meatless Monday, we're particularly concerned about the food we eat and the foods we don't eat, Um, if we step back, you know, maybe one step back away from the table, um, we're also concerned about just the, 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 the social nature of eating together. There is real value in carving out that time together as a family to to learn, again, the art of conversation as compared to, especially in this era, so many people are growing comfortable with eating alone. And the problem with eating alone is you eat more, you eat more quickly. Mm -hmm. And um, instead, when you actually have a conversation, you are reminded that food is not just this fuel that we put in our bodies, but it is uh, a bridge to other places, to other people, and I think importantly to each other. I agree. And I definitely think that us and my family, we've discovered, I've I've discovered things about my family members that I may have skimmed over in the past, you know, and sad to say it took kind of this time of forced slowdown um, to do that. But it's been interesting to say the least. Um, I feel like I feel like I've definitely learned a lot. We, I could get on that path of distance learning too. I said I feel like I finally understand 
truly how both of my children learn. And it hmm. wasn't in a, and just kind of going off track just a little bit, but you know, I feel like it wasn't the most stress-free time <laughs> to understand how my children learned. Again, I was forced, but um, I think I, it is something that I'll carry on now, you know, as they move through their educational life um, and see some red flags and things like that. So definitely, I feel like a lot to learn and I've learned a lot um, over this time with those family meals, even if it's a breakfast, you know, it, and I think sometimes we tend mm. to think of sitting around the the dinner table. Um, but, you know, we've, we've been having breakfast together. We've been having lunch together. So <laughs> I definitely think any meal and any time you can, can have those conversations is good. Well, you know, that, 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 that whole question of time is one that has really been bent during this, this strange period of this sort of great pause. Um, yes, people don't have lunch to uh, breakfast together, even though the images of television commercials are people sitting together, right. <laughs> breakfast cereal and eggs and whatnot. And in actual fact, it's, it's people running out of the door. It is. And um, uh, breakfast is an interesting moment. And of course, it varies on different places and cultures. Um, and of course, lunch being a meal that we would never have together because we're at school or we're at work. And um, I, I do think it is worth treasuring these this, this rare moment where we can reconnect. And, um, and so food is almost sort of the, the tool that brings us together. But then, you know, the question is when you bring people together around the table, many of the images that are, are shaped by, by, by film and television is that it, it's a rather austere and severe place, the dinner table. You know, you must yes, eat greens. Um, don't talk. Um, <laughs> That's true. Uh -huh. You know, learning table manners. And, uh, you know, there are other places that look at it very differently. And it becomes a very warm place where we reconnect. And um, uh, we found, and you know, during this period of rather strange crisis, um, our family, which with my now grown, you know, university age daughter stayed with us for two months. And we were reminded of the last time we had this intense time together it was in the crisis of um, uh, after Hurricane Katrina, mm -hmm. where we had to be refugees for several months in, in Houston from our hometown of New Orleans. And what we found in that period afterwards was um, she was then of a very young age of, um, you know, We'd sit around the dinner table, and um, she came back home uh, from school with this idea of conversations at the dinner table. And you know, she attended a French school, and the French are very um, intense about preserving the, the the dignity of the table. Mm -hmm. And um, she came back with this idea of, well, we did this game at lunch where we um, we talk about um, today's roses and thorns. And, um, you know, she was the one introduced the idea, not the parents, but the child. And we thought this was a marvelous idea to, um, to actually start the conversation around, you know, we'll go around and we take turns. So it becomes like a game, you know, the, 
uh, you know, it was the question, do you start with the rose or do you start with the thorn? And, right. you know, <laughs> um, and it was great because we'd start with a thorn. Let's start with what happened today that wasn't good. It was bad. It was thorny. And we'd go around and take turns. And it was it became actually not not the usual I'm talking, but the excitement to listen to what someone else was going to come out with and what surprises they would come out with. And sometimes they would all be the same thing. We were all angry about the same thing or happy about the same thing. And then we, you know, we'd finish up with the rose. What was the rose of today? And it was a great moment to, I think, navigate rather tricky issues. And I think in families, it's very difficult to talk about trauma and fear. Um, we don't want to you know, we want to um, protect our children from, you know, the fearful things that are happening outside. Um, so it was a chance to bring some transparency into our house around the dinner table to talk about difficult issues. And um, I, I think that is, of course, the great value of the dinner table. We're not texting, we're talking. Right, right. It's it's definitely... Uh, a good way to to kind of bring up those hot or those hard topics, like you said, we do something similar. Peaks and pits. I think it's along the same mm. lines. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it's funny. But that actually that was my next question. So we're perfectly on track. I said was going to ask you. You know, where do you start? Because I think sometimes. You know, families, like you said, there's been trauma. There's been tragedy. Maybe different families are going through different things and conversation is just seems like it's hard, you know, like it's going to take everything you have, um, all your strengths to kind of figure out a way for us all to, to be nice and talk to each other. I know it sounds crazy, but I know there's many families mm -hmm. out there and some days even here in my own house that the conversations don't come as easily. So where do we start? I think those, the rose and thorn is a good idea. I think the peaks and pits, which is similar <laughs> what we do, but how do you get things going? Well, I do think food is a good place to get it going. You know, just talking about what are we having tonight, you know, or today. Um, getting them involved with preparing or, or, or setting the table. I mean, th these are, you know, rather old-fashioned ideas, but ones that, that, that mean that all of us who come to the table are protagonists. And, and I think this is something that, that Slow Food and Meatless Monday were particularly interested in, is leaning forward and taking some accountability, responsibility for our actions together and how it affects each other. And so, you know, actually discussing what we're eating tonight and, uh, or, you know, eating today. And um, especially if different family members can play a role in preparing it and bringing it together. This is something that, you know, we had developed with, you know, Alice Waters um, and her edible schoolyard is very, very clear about is that the table should be something that we treasure. There should be flowers in the middle of the table, even in, in public schools, um, that everyone has a job to fill the water glasses, to bring things to the table, set the table. And um, so talking about food is not a bad place to start. Um, you know, we are particularly interested in, in, in kids becoming protagonists in their lives. So um, how do they do that? Well, they become knowledgeable about what we're eating, uh, what's going on in the world. And, and I think that, 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 that 
hope that they become protagonists and make decisions and have opinions and that the table is a safe place for people to voice their their views does start to cut into what is otherwise a, a rather authoritarian picture of parents raising children and parents requiring their kids to behave at the table. Um, rather than that sort of authoritarian picture, it can become much more participatory. Right. And I like that. I, I feel like that's kind of eye-opening you, when you said that earlier about the depiction of the, the dinner table, you know, and how that authoritarian and how, you know, <laughs> eat your, eat your greens and why are you eating with your hands? <laughs> that's, yeah, you know, yeah. that's something that comes up in my house. I'm like, well, you, you, know you have a fork, you have a fork. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, cause you know, one of the, 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 you know, important collaboration between slow food that is interested in, you know, pleasure and responsibility of food and food is an adventure and meatless Monday, which is, we must reduce the meat consumption and 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 monday's a great day to try that out um as we begin to explore the world of food of course there are places where people do eat with their hands whether it's ethiopia or bangladesh and it's important which hand you use and um you know that could be a fun experiment i was gonna say i think i'm gonna do it (laughs) i mean you know if it's if you're making a you know a rather simple uh curried lentil and rice dish with uh using you know make maybe even make non the you know the bread or parata which isn't that complicated um and then use that to eat with rather than forks and knives then my gosh the dinner table it's so crazy you do something like that out of the blue once it's the kind of meal that they'll remember for 20 years and they'll say you remember that time we didn't eat with forks and knives it was, uh-huh. it's crazy <laughs> and you know those food memories are really important in shaping how as they grow to become adults they look at food is food something they fear and something that intimidates them because oh my gosh, I remember there are all these rules and I wasn't sure what to do and was I allowed to put my elbows on the table? But if instead food and the dinner table becomes this adventure that we explore tastes and sounds and and, and flavors and colors and smells, then their relationship to food changes. And, you know, of course, we want kids to run towards the good food because right. they're excited about it, because they have a relationship to it. You know, this is why gardens matter, because, you know, if you grow a carrot, well, you know, your carrot is going to taste better than any carrot you've ever eaten because you had a role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, similarly, if you're knowledgeable about the place from where this particular ingredient or food comes from, then you have a connection and you have authorship over it. You become a protagonist. And, um, I think that is the, the you know, the the sunny side. Yes. <laughs> Char- Charlie moment. will be help- happy yeah. to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so, and I think we, I have some good ideas on this. So I had a friend ask, I swear it was a friend, this one isn't from me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you have advice for kids who might be in that yes or no answer phase, you know, the teens and tweens who really, you know, they just want to get to the table. They want to eat and get on with it, you know, get back to their FaceTime or whatever they might be doing. So how do you keep them captive just even for an extra few minutes? It's such an age and an important age for conversation, but yet it's so hard. 
It is so hard. You know, it, they, they've become expert at rolling their eyes. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I think that it's the small things. I mean, it's a little bit like when, you know, the kids are small. <laughs> do you punish them or do you distract them? And, you know, a way to distract maybe a teen or a tween is maybe to give them the floor and say, all right, you can leave. But first, you need to ask me a question. Mm. And that then gives them the opportunity to actually shape the discussion. Because maybe they want to talk about something as you know insular and, and self-absorbed as it may be. But they want to talk about what's important to them. And maybe by getting them to ask you something actually keeps them there. And and it and it flips it. Um, that would maybe be one approach. Um, it's hard though. It's hard, <laughs> it you is. know. And, and in particular, I mean, I, I think we were lucky in that our daughter has had a, um, a uh, she's had a, a curious palate. So she would try new things. Of course, once she liked something, she would only eat that thing right. for you know three weeks until she was over it. But um, we we tried something like if she, you know she's like oh, I don't really like this I never like this you know I don't like this we'd always say well, that's fine you have to take a no thank you bite and this is when she was young mm-hmm. and um, and it was so funny how well that worked we said look you don't have to eat the whole thing you don't like it fine but you're gonna have to take one bite um, of that dish. Um, and then you can say, no, thank you. I don't really enjoy it. And it's amazing how one bite becomes 10. And um, I, I think it is this game of <laughs> outsmarting them as long as you can. I mean, <laughs> I do like that idea, though, because I have recognized at that age, even this summer, as I've been setting up, you know, virtual um, workshops and things for my older daughter, she mm. just... She told me the other day, she said, I'm, it makes me so mad that you have, you set these things up and I have no say. And I mm. said, but, but you don't want to do these things. And she said, no, I want to do all of them, but I just want to be involved in the process of looking and talking it through and making kind of making that decision and not just having you telling me, here's my schedule for the week, you know? And so that really made me think you know, that the things are shifting and how important it is for them at that age, like you said, to kind of take the floor a little bit and to ask the questions and kind of, I don't want to say they always have to own the conversation, but for them, Mm -hmm. I think owning that as they're growing into that more responsibility, you know, in their life and maturing that that that's really good advice. Oh, I have so many things to take away today. (laughs) So excited. All right, it's time for another Healthy Bite. Today brought to you by our friends at U.S. Cranberries. And Grace is about to be here with a batch of dried cranberry energy bites, which I'm really excited about. Hi, Grace. Hey, Amanda. I'm excited to bring you this Healthy Bite today. Okay, talk to me about what you have here. It looks amazing. Okay, so I have a whole batch of cranberry pistachio energy bites. These are so easy to make. Dried cranberries, oats, peanut butter, pistachios, maple syrup, vanilla extract, and ground flaxseed. Mix it all together, refrigerate for an hour, and shape into one-inch rounds. 
That sounds like the perfect recipe for the kids to help out with. I'm always looking for the extra set of hands um, and a great snack too to have on hand to grab quickly instead of reaching for something not so healthy. So, all right, enough time here. Let me try this. Enjoy. So what's so great about the dried cranberries is that one, they taste great, but also they're sodium, fat, and cholesterol free. What do you think, Amanda? This is really good. I'm going to enjoy this for a minute. (laughs) (laughs) You enjoy them. So there are also other varieties of these energy bites, too, if you wanted to get creative and use other seeds. You can use coconut. um, And you can always swap out the peanut butter for a non-nut butter if needed. Wow, these are really tasty. I know the girls would love to try these and make them. Definitely. I can picture your girls having a great time making these. Well, thank you, Grace. This has been delicious and fun. And everyone, be sure to check out the full recipe in the show notes and find out more about cranberries at uscranberries.com. Well, we talked a little bit yesterday about my kids setting up a restaurant for my Mm. husband and I, um, which I think I told you, I thought, oh my gosh, this is going to be a mess. How am I going to just let them, am I really going to let them just do the whole thing from top to bottom and stay out of it. Um, And so it really worked out well. And I was, I mean, I have beautiful pictures. It was a wonderful evening. And, um, you know, just I'm glad that I I took the chance. But why do you think it's important for kids to have a handle on what is being made? And I think you kind of talked a little bit about this earlier, but it seems that that does help in the dinner conversations. Well, I think there's so much pride in hospitality. And I think of all the years I've worked with chefs, um, one thing that I have found to be a um, almost universal is it makes them so happy to make other people happy. There is some magic that 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 occurs in there sense of well-being and and um, uh, just, just general happiness when they're able to um, welcome and serve people in a setting that 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 is enjoyable and um, I think that's a human trait and you know hospitality and and being the host is again I think a little but an issue of, of, of control and authority. Um, and parents are always, you know, putting it together. Mm-hmm. We put meals together without even thinking about all of the logistics. And I think the more that they're able to learn the complexities of how timing and measurement and all the things that, of course, I would have been much better at math and science had they taught us through cooking, <laughs> um, that it's really complicated to put together a meal. And, and because it's an accomplishment, it's something that that elicits, you know, pride of ownership and authorship, and that they're preparing something for you. They're giving back something that usually they are on the the the, the receiving end of. And I think that's a, it can be a one off. It can be a special event. I think there's something rather nice about, you know, the table being the place where special things happen. But it can also become the kind of habitual ritual that oh. You know, it's um, it's Wednesdays, and Wednesdays are when you make us a meal, and maybe it's just the first Wednesday of the month. It doesn't have to be so ambitious, but right. <laughs> I I think that they begin to appreciate how complicated it is. Whether when you go out to eat, you know, you remember that phenomena of going out to eat, You're right? Uh, and and what work it it is to to 
deliver a, a meal that's hot and well portioned and well seasoned and all of that. That there's some real skill, and I think that that um, is where they begin to appreciate the dignity of labor and the creativity involved. And uh, and I think you certainly learn how they how you cook is often how you learn. I mean, I'm all improvisation. My wife is all following recipes. And um, that tells you so much about personalities and, and what they're well suited for and what makes them comfortable and what takes them outside their comfort zone. I think those are wonderful things. And uh, I, I think so much in our, our food system and in our lives, we, we sort of outsource it to the experts. And um, I think that's part of what we need to deconstruct. Um, so, you know, you know, and we talked a little bit about what they do in Helsinki with Restaurant Day, mm-hmm. where all of the food regulations for the city are exempted on one day, and anyone can start a restaurant for that one day. And it's exciting because it dismantles the kind of humdrum of everyday life and makes it special. And it brings surprise um, on board. And... Um, and I think learning the art of presentation, putting on a performance, it's um, uh, and it creates, I think, a sense of, of fun that makes that, that sort of revolution of everyday life rather than just, oh, it's time to start dinner and how right. much we dread the ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> and instead, it, it makes it, you know, a highlight of every day. I like that. And I think we are going to have once a month, Friday, one Friday a month. Um, we'll have to pick what, what it is, but it was just so wonderful and they enjoyed it and we enjoyed it. So I think we're going to, we're going to keep it up and it allows them to try new things too. They, they both like to look at recipes and I do have one who's a improvisational kind of like how I am. I always get, <laughs> get people saying, well, where, where can I find that recipe? And they say, well, it's, in my head. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't if I knew. <laughs> I'm like, well, I don't know. I tasted it. Then I cut this up and added this. And then I did this, but then I wanted to add this. And I, I didn't write it down. And they were like, oh my gosh, you have so many great recipes. Please start writing <laughs> these things down. <sighs> so I know you are also passionate about worldly foods and looking at food as an adventure. So Yesterday, I wrote down this quote from you as we were talking. So I thought it was, I feel like I need to put it somewhere in my kitchen. Exploring foods from different regions around the country and even around the world allows you to embrace diversity in a different way and often demystifies other cultures. And when I hurried up and scribbled that down and thought, yes, that is exactly it. So how can the food we are eating be part of the conversation and you've said bridging you know it bridges Mm -hmm. you to different things so talk a little bit about that well you know when you think about how we live modern day life um we do tend to put up a lot of walls around ourselves and um you know it's i live in this neighborhood i go to this school i I belong to this party, you know, we tend to sort of create a lot of walls. Um, and I think we find safety in that. And it's a bit terrifying to break beyond our um, our safe zone. And uh, as our communities become more diverse and 
you know, strange foods come in and strange people come in and uh, the life that we were used to becomes much more um, surprising. Um, food does tend to be one of those great entry points where we learn, A, how diverse we are and also how similar we are. And um, I, I think that how, we, how agile we become and, and how we learned how to navigate the unfamiliar is increasingly going to become like that skill set that will help people ease through this transition. And I think in particular, the, the, the pandemic transition is, guess what? Today is full of uncertainty. And if uncertainty makes us want to crawl back in and hide behind walls, then um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough going. If, on the other hand, we embrace the uncertainty and begin to look around to find out who near us has something that brings great color and zest and life to our, our lives, then we're going to be much better off. And, uh, you know, when, when we began to partner at Slow Food, began to partner with Meatless Monday, um, one of the things that we noticed with many of the recipes is that uh, you know, many of the meatless recipes involve some kind of substitute, you know, for what we're used to as protein, whether it's tofu tempeh or mock veggie chicken nugget type things. And, you know, all that's fine, but it, it is processed food. And um, instead, we began to explore the sort of the great peasant foods of the world, which tends to be rice and beans or in some places, it's beans and rice. You know, it's there are variations on a theme, whether it's chickpeas or or or, or um, millet or rice or um, red beans or all this sort of amazing variety of, of of foods that can be prepared in such different ways. Oftentimes, it's quite similar ingredients presented and imagined very differently. Um, you know, it's. Um, Chickpeas can be in a chickpea salad, and they can also be crushed and, and blended with tahini and olive oil and become, you know, hummus. And um, and I, I think it's it it um, it inserts some creativity into how we navigate everyday life. And um, therefore, you know, food is something I fell into professionally in developing farmers markets and um, community development through food. And, and what I have found is 25 years later, I'm still there because I'm still learning. And it still continues to be fascinating to me how um, different cultures uh, value uh, different ingredients so differently. Right. I Yeah, that's definitely in our house, I think, just in the past two years, we've really kind of stepped out of our comfort zone. And my husband um, is Cuban. And so he grew up in a all Cuban food, strict, you know, really didn't step out of that, that food realm at all. And when we met, you know, I was throwing everything at him and he he's like, oh, slow down. What are you doing? I hate the smell of that. Don't cook that kind of food. Don't 
please just make this. And finally now, um, now he's like, good. What happened to me? Now I'm a, I'm vegan. And I like, I don't even know. It was like, you swooped me in and like, now I'm this person. And I'm like, yes, it's wonderful. Um, so, okay. So I ask all of our new guests on the podcast, the same question. There's no right or wrong answer. What do you think it means to be a healthy family? Oh, gosh. I know. No right or wrong. <laughs> well, I, I think a healthy family is one that has maybe two ingredients that are always present. Uh, transparency. I think it's important to share how decisions are made internally and also to not shield them from everything that's happening in the outside world. So I think that transparency is really important. Mm -hmm. And, and I think trust, um, you know, trust is everything. And you can ask people to do kids to eat the strangest foods if they trust you. And, um, and, and you have to preserve both that transparency and trust, I think together. I love it. Perfect. Okay. So this has been wonderful and we will be sure to link up to Meatless Monday and Slow Food Nation in our show notes um, and also any other links that you have for me to share with listeners. But before we close things out, can you tell listeners where they can find and connect with you? Certainly. Oh, that's great. Um, well, thank you for inviting me on here. My gosh, sure. you went so quickly. I know, it's uh, been fun. <laughs> uh, the Meatless Monday dot, gosh, is it dot org dot com? Uh, the Meatless Monday website and Meatless Monday on Instagram and, I mean, has great social presence, is a marvelous place for recipes. And um, uh, similarly, slowfood.com, the Slow Food International, which, um, you know, because we are all over the world, is also a great place for knowledge about, to learn knowledge about ingredients and recipes. And um, I write a Meatless Monday column regularly for Slow Food International. And um, I, I do it as an international counselor for Slow Food and as um uh, the captain of Think Like Pirates. Wonderful. Well, we will definitely link up to everything so um, people can easily click through and we'll link up to some of those recent columns as well over in the show notes. Thank you so much, Richard. This oh. has been so great talking to you. I feel like I, I'm going to walk away and, and have some new things to implement with our family. And it's just been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you. I really enjoyed it. And you keep up your really important work. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, everyone, for continuing to join us in our Healthy Family Project mission to create a healthier generation. If you like the Healthy Family Project, which I really hope you do, please tell a friend and leave us a rating. It will only help our visibility so we can continue to share information with all of you. Be sure to join the Healthy Family Project Facebook group. We love to keep this conversation going. And if you have topic ideas, things you want us to cover, someone you feel like we should talk to, please let us know. We are definitely all about keeping this conversation going and continuing to bring you guests and topics that are going to make a difference in your world. If you want to tweet direct with me, I'm at Amanda M. Kiefer on Twitter and also on Instagram. And you can find Produce for Kids on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe. Talk soon. Talk soon.